0: Raise the Roof, Remove the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you. Hey, guys. And uh, this week, uh, we're looking at a passage. Uh, we're going to be reading First uh, Peter 2, 9. I guess that's really more a verse than a passage, although knowing us, we'll, we'll venture probably beyond our one little verse here, maybe just a little. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> but uh, let me just start by by just reading this. If, if that didn't already strike things in, you know, that didn't already set off things in your brain, go, oh, I know this verse. First um, Peter 2-9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, I'll let you just dive in there.
1: Okay, no. well, I uh, you know, as you break this down, um, this verse, which could actually be a passage— uh really talks about first who we are as disciples of Jesus. Second, it talks about what we should do because of who we are. But then thirdly, it tells us why we are disciples and why we should do what disciples do, because it tells us what Jesus has done for us. So first it defines who we are. Um He says chosen race. I, I looked up, I looked up this verse in a lot of different translations just to, to kind of get a feel of exactly what is Peter saying here. Uh, so chosen race, uh, a people chosen by God himself, ones chosen by God, a chosen generation. Because, you know, when, when you initially hear you're a chosen race, I, I think a lot of, and, and I think this is part of our fallen nature, it goes immediately to go, oh, well, we as the white race are chosen, or we as this particular ethnic group, or this particular race, or this particular nationality are chosen. But that's not what he means here. And we know that because when we read the book of Revelation, the people of God are from every nation and tribe and language and race that there is. So, you know, when he's talking about chosen race, he's talking about people from all nations who have placed their faith in Jesus. So it's a chosen people yes but we're chosen by based or background or even personality and to me the key word here in in that is chosen chosen by God now I am not a Calvinist um but God makes it very plain in his word he first chooses us before we can then respond back with that choice now who does he choose I think he chooses every human being who's ever lived to know him But then we have to uh, accept that chosenness and give ourselves to it. Um, And I like that idea, you know, that God chooses us because, you know, I've got a niece and a nephew who are adopted, your cousins. I swear in my head, I can remember my sister being pregnant. (laughs) I I mean, they're, they're that connected with us as family, you know that I, I visualize, oh yeah, I remember my you no, know, my sister never was pregnant, you know, but they're that they're that connected with us. They are just as much blood biologically related to us as anybody could be, you know. And to me, that's what when I hear chosen, that we're chosen by God, He has adopted us and brought us into this family of His. And we are in a sense blood kin to Jesus. Yeah.
0: I I mean, I think, I think what's so important is is it's not random. This is personal. Like, like he knows me. It isn't this just blanket kind of vague. Oh yes. I'm dying for all of you. Like uh, Cutlass has a song called sea of faces. Like this, you know, I'm not, I'm not just a man. I'm not just a person out here in the sea of faces. Like he knows me, you know, I I love in, in a, in the shack when Papa, anytime Papa talks about someone, I'm especially fond of that one. And like it's he says everybody, yeah. which like part of me is like the you know, uh the, the it's a line from Incredibles that like if everyone's super no one is, you know, and like like you could make that argument sort of logically, but it's God. So he's like, No, I really am especially fond, of it. like it's not it doesn't decrease any of our values, it makes us all right. Um right. And and that's yeah. perfectly reflecting this idea that we're chosen, that yeah. that he knows. Who he died for? He knows who he saved. He knows who he's called. He knows who has accepted him and who's part of his family. That it's not. We're not just a name on a list. We're not just an, an adding another number to the tally. Like he knows me, and that's that changes everything. That that that's that. It's a relationship yeah. thing. It's not, you know. I yes. Yesterday we're recording this on Wednesday. So yeah, you know, yesterday was election day. Okay, the people that won elections they don't know everybody that voted for them. Okay. They're, they're going to get up and they're going to make a speech and they're going to thank everybody who voted for them, but they don't personally know every single person. Like they just don't, you know, I, I voted for one guy here in our, our city council election because he came to my house, like he knocked on my door and he talked to me and it's 2023. And you know, he didn't get shot that I know of knocking on people's doors, which is a little surprising. Um, but you know, that did something that he took the time yes. to come and like see people and do stuff. Um, That. And I liked some of the stuff he said more than anything, but like God knows us. We're not just some random person out there. Yes. We're not, you know, he knows us. It is personal. It is intimate. That's the kind of relationship he has. Yes. And he has it. Cause he chose us. We are, we are chosen. And so, yeah, I love I love yeah. all of these phrases. These are all great. individually yeah, all of these it. phrases are what yeah. we're talking about. And Peter, wait, Peter becomes this like eloquent person all of a sudden when you start starts writing these letters. Like this is the dude that's trying to just like chop people's ears off in the garden. And now we're getting this from Peter. It's it's an amazing transformation. Um most eloquent fisherman ever to have walked the face of the earth, apparently. But yeah, love this person. I, I think I think it's because Peter understood all these things about himself. Really?
1: Yeah, what he's yeah. he experienced all of these. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and John John
0: 21, we really see, I mean, we, we we see Peter chosen to be a disciple, but then we see this moment of redemption later with Jesus, I think really drives this point home when Jesus has that, you know, feed my sheep, do you love me, feed my sheep right. thing with Peter. Right. I mean, right. I've chosen, like Jesus yeah. knows yeah. me, but Jesus also knows you. Like Peter understands that's not just him, but that's all of us. And so that's awesome that we're yeah. chosen.
1: Yeah. So, Good point, yeah. And then we come to the second phrase. Royal priesthood are, some translations say, group of royal priests, king's priest, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, or priests of the king. So all the disciples of Jesus are priests. Men and women are priests. I'm probably going to get, we're probably going to get some cards and letters on that one. <laughs> because we all have direct access to God. I don't need another person to come into God's presence as a priest to make intercession for me. I am a priest who makes intercession for myself and others. And, and to me, the key word here is is, is priest. Yes, royal in the fact that we're connected with Jesus, not because we're divine or royal in ourselves, but because as priest, we are priests of Jesus. So he as King Jesus makes this world. So we're priests. But, you know, I I, I served the church in South Louisiana. If you know anything about South Louisiana, besides it's full of swamps and Mardi Gras, uh, it is heavenly, heavenly, heavenly. I can't even use that word enough. Catholic. I mean, I lived in a town of 40,000 they estimated 85% of the population of this town was was part of Catholicism. So, I mean, we're heavily Catholic. So these these kids that we were trying to reach out to, many of them came from a Catholic background, and they didn't understand who I was. So I became Father Joe, because that's all they knew, because (laughs) I was a priest. And, you know, we we get to this point where we – we don't do this in Protestant evangelical circles. We we know, oh no, no, the pastor is not a priest. But we almost make the pastor like a priest in many cases because it's like, well, I've got to come to you to get the blessing. I gotta to come to you to get to tell me this lifestyle I'm living, which the Bible says is not okay, is really okay. You know, we're all priests, so we all have this direct access. So I don't need necessarily somebody to pray for me. I have that direct access to God. I mean, he says in Hebrews that we can come with confidence before the throne of grace, knowing that we'll receive mercy in our time of need. That's for all of us. Now, I get a little put out when I hear men say, well, I am the priest of my family. No, you're one of the priests in your family, but your wife is a priest. She has direct access to God. And if your kids are believers, hey, hey, tell you this, they're priests also. Now, you may have a greater responsibility as the spiritual head or leader of the family, but that's a position of, of responsibility, not privilege, which we've made it. But they all have direct access. I mean, we we talked about last week, you know, the fact that we went to Kirtland, New Mexico, one of the things God used was you to say, no, that's where God wants us to go. And you were a believer. So I'm thinking, okay, can God speak to this 10-year-old kid? Yes, He can, because you, as a believer, priest, direct access to God. And and to me, the cool thing about being a priest is that I have the ability and the privilege to intercede for other people. They don't need me because they have that direct access, but I, I can pray for other people. And I don't understand how God works when I pray for other people because there's that free will thing, but I know it. I know he does work when I pray for other, other believers or people who aren't believers that I can intercede for them.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the key things in us being this Royal priesthood is that moment when the, the curtain is torn in, in the temple when Jesus dies, you know, that, and, and, and it specifies from top to bottom, because this is God doing this. This is God saying, all right, it's torn because, you know, right. I, I just can't right. even, it's hard to fathom. Um, there's this idea that one dude could go and be in the presence of God one time a year on this one certain day. One guy could get all the way to like kind of the presence of God. Even even that, like there's still, all right, I'm going to set this here and yeah. I'm going to step out so you don't kill me. um <laughs> Like, and had to go like, through this whole rigorous process, you know? I mean, I, I don't know if you still remember what it was like to wash your hands, to go see Alyssa in the NICU, like the scrubbing, like all the way to the elbow, you know, cause she was yes, special. Yes. We must not have any germs yes. here. Section of of you know the hospital, which I was grateful for. You know, like yes, yes, please do this. I don't want my kid getting sick. Um, like that was annoying. That was nothing compared to what the high priest goes through to go into the, the holy of holies in the temple. You know, I mean, he got that from head to toe. Um, we don't have to do that. I have access to God. Yeah. My kids have access to God. People in my church. All of us as believers have direct personal access to God which is yes. incredible. You know, uh small town poet has a song, prophet, priest, and King. Yeah. You know, it's, it nails it. Like there, you know, he, he talked, you know, I can't go talk to all these other famous important influential people, but, but my closet's a shrine to this old friend of mine. And here I talk all the time to a prophet priest. Like I can talk to God right here anytime I want to, you know, and I, this idea of Royal yeah. priesthood is really interesting to me too, because, it brings up a fun person from the Bible, uh, Melchizedek, who's just who's just a mysterious person, uh, <laughs> a lot of ways. We get like little glimpses of him, and we get told Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek, and he's like the only one because he's both a king and a priest. Because these didn't mix. Um, sorry to we're just right. going to make everybody mad today, right? Um, so sorry to some of our our uh, more um, politically minded friends, um. Israel was all about separation, guys. The king was never the priest. Those were two different offices, unless it was Jesus. So if you want to elect Jesus, good, go for it. He's not running. Um, that's not the throne he wants.
1: Well, St. Claiborne says, Jesus is my president. So,
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, you know, th- this combination of those two things, we'd only seen in these two different people, which we don't even know anything much about Melchizedek, except Abraham took him and gave him a tenth, and there's all these fun theories on who he really is. Um, I think he's none of those people. Just because God's like, ha! You thought you knew. Um, he's just <laughs> he's just a dude. Like, I mean, the series he's one of like Noah's other sons or something, right? Like, he, I forget which one because I don't spend a lot of time reading about <laughs> Um, you know, but Jesus gets mentioned being in this order as well. And guess what? We're co heirs with Jesus. Like we become like him. So we're 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 royal. We're not the king, um, but we're part of the royal family. We're we're adopted into it, um and like you said we we we've been called we've been chosen so that we can serve god that that's what priests did they came before god they came into his presence and they served him and that's what all of us are called to do that's that's not just me as the pastor yeah. you know which yeah. we, we paid really good lip service to plenty of times no there there are some people who will literally just say well you're supposed to do that you're the pastor that happens there's a whole other segment a larger segment that won't say that but they live that way they act that way like well you know, you're, I, I, yeah. it's always, it has always been a pet peeve, even though I was a pastor's kid before I was a pastor. So it was like, well, you have to be here every week, you know, or basically, you know, well, yeah, but it's your job to which I, depending on who they are, I have varying degrees of what I will respond to them with. Uh, if we're close enough and I can get away with it, I'll be very blunt and saying, so you're saying I'm only here because I get paid. Do you know what that, that means you're calling me right now? That I only do something because I get paid? There's a very specific word uh, that's used about uh, Rahab and some of those kinds of people in the Bible. Would you like to know what it is? Um, they don't usually appreciate that all that much, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, we're we're that royal priesthood. We, we get to serve God, and that's, that's something all of us get to do, which Peter's pointing out to us, which is yeah. great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Chosen, so. yeah. Then the third one, Holy Nation are, as some translations put it, consecrated nation, chosen to be a holy people. And again, nation doesn't mean political, geographical entity. One of the things I keep pointing out is America, Canada, all of these nations of the world are man-made, okay? They're geopolitical entities. That's not what he's saying here. It's, you know, he doesn't say, oh, well, I've said South America or, you know, Ecuador or whatever to be a holy nation. No. Nation here simply means people who have been made holy and are devoted to Jesus. But the key word is holy. We are to be holy. And and that word really has two aspects, biblical aspects. One is to be morally upright. You know, they have a purity, a, a wholeness about us. But the word actually means to be set apart. So as a holy people, we are set apart to do God's will. Um, the last three days I've been working on on this idea of the kingdom of God. Um, and one of the things I realized is we that's where our citizenship is. Because if we are a holy people, we are set apart for God and God alone. I mean, when he says in, in Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness first he doesn't mean first in a list he means first only that that, that is the priority of our lives and i think we it it's easy to get caught up in the day to day living and looking at all the problems in our world and thinking there is a human solution to those and there isn't you know i we are holy so that means that joe byers as a holy person is set apart to build the kingdom of god That's it. Everything else doesn't matter, you know, and I love my family. But as I told somebody a couple of weeks ago, I love Jesus more than I love my wife, more than I love my kids, more than I love my grandkids. Really blew them away when I said I love more my grandkids. You know, they were. (laughs) "Um, But that's that's what it means to be holy and i think a lot of times we use the word holy and and we're really meaning well you need to live a better moral life well that's part of it but the biggest part is if i'm separated for god's use and i'm seeking his kingdom above anything else with no rivalries my moral life is going to take care of itself but i can live morally and not be seeking god's kingdom he's saying here you need to be a people who are, are consecrated to God in seeking above all else, his kingdom and his righteousness.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, this is our identity above all else, that, that we belong to Jesus. Like this trumps everything else, you know, up in you know a couple of verse four this, he's, he's, he's identifies who he's talking to. He says now to you who believe, yeah. it's not you who are Jews, you who are Gentile. It's not, it's none of those things. You believe in Jesus. This is what makes you part of this nation, part of this group. This is what makes you holy and set apart. That's and that's who God chooses to work through. I remember um yeah. very a very wise man, uh yeah. Francis Wilson, um, that I, I got to to be around, went to my church when I was a youth pastor, would just drop some really deep stuff on you occasionally. And I still remember being in a meeting where he pointed out the fact that you know that God has only ordained one entity to spread his kingdom. One. And and I loved this, especially coming from him. He goes, and it's not a convention. It's not an association. It's not a country. It's the church. Like this, this is what he's not his people. This is his nation. You know, that's what he's chosen. Does God work through some of those other things? Absolutely. Like God uses those things, but they're, that's not what he tells us to be a part of in his word. He doesn't say come and be a part of this association of churches come and be a part of this country no he says come and be a part of this church this body this family that's what makes us the holy nation that we believe in him we're a part of that family and that's what sets us apart and makes us different and we he, he tried he he god tries the political entity route in some ways he's not really trying to that's what the Israel's israelites make it they become this country you know this nation and they want a king and they want all this stuff and he goes fine this isn't how I want to do it and it's not going to work, but you're, you're not listening. So I'm going to let you try it. I'm going to let you try it so that you can fail at it. So that hopefully someday you come back to me because you see that your way does not work and you need to do it my way. You know, at some point God lets us have our way. Um, there's grace in that and there's discipline in that. Cause like, fine, you think you can really do it. Here you go. Um, but that's who we are. We're called to be, different because of him we're called to belong to him above everything else that more than i am a father or son or a pastor or a male or white or any other category you want to slap on me that they all may be true above all those things i belong to jesus that's yeah. that's whom what my identity is supposed to be and when we live that way it changes everything it changes the way people see us it allows us to be who god calls us to be so yeah we're supposed to be that holy nation
1: yeah and then lastly, he says, people for his own possession. um I think my favorite uh, translation of that was one that says God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him. Um, the key word to me is possession. We belong to Jesus, okay um I think a lot of people are going, oh, I believe and I have faith and I trust. But no, I belong to Jesus. I was bought. On that day when he died on the cross and shed his blood, he bought me because I don't have the ability to pay off my own sin debt. So I either have to try to pay it off myself, which is end an eternal separation from God, or accept Jesus' payment. Thus, I belong to him. He owns me, and I receive that salvation, that eternal life, because I belong to Jesus. I will never forget... um, Oh, can't remember the guy's name now, the pastor, uh, it's black pastor in Dallas, uh, Tony Evans. Yeah, Tony Evans, telling this story about he was, uh, for one time, chaplain of the Dallas Mavericks. This was years ago when they were a very bad basketball team. And, of course, he got tickets for all the games for him to be there. And he got tickets to bring people with him. And his family didn't want to go. His kids said, no, I don't want to go. They're terrible. you know. So he would bring guys from his church. And he brought this, this this group of three guys one time, and they get to park in this special parking area. They get to go up in this special elevator. They get to have a, a the buffet that's there. They get to mingle with players. and At the end of and, and at the game, they get to sit there right on court side. And after the game, go back and, and congratulate the players. And as they're leaving, Tony Evans stops, and he looks around. He says, now, I want to remind you guys of something. You're only able to do this because you're here with me. It's about me. You're just with me. And when our salvation is not because of us. It's because of Jesus. So when I get to heaven and I face, and they say, why should I let you into my heaven? I can't go, well, you know, I was a pastor, and I was pretty good <laughs> preacher. And I led these people to Jesus, and I did this and that. No, it's God. I'm with Jesus. Uh, he's the reason I get into heaven. He's the reason my sins are forgiven. And to me, when when it talks about we're being his possession, my salvation, that the blessings that I have in my life are not because of anything I've done. It's, it's all because of, of his grace blessing me. And so I belong to him. And I think too many times we kind of think we're doing God a favor when we follow him when we're being obedient to him. Well, you know, God, I'm a pretty good person and I'm on your side, so aren't you lucky? And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I am I am a I am a no good person without Jesus. So it's I'm belonging to him. He I'm his his possession, and he then has the right to right with me what he wants to. So I don't have a right issue. to go, no, God, I don't comfort himself. No, it's I'm going to go. Somebody asked me recently, if God, are you going to go back? I said, only if he tells me to. If he doesn't tell me to, I'm not going to. But if he does, yes, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do those things because it's not about what I want. It's about my belonging to him and doing what he wants.
0: Yeah. In, in a rare turn of events, uh, my favorite wording for that part of this passage actually comes from the king james uh version uh because in the king james it says we are his peculiar possession you know we're peculiar uh, yeah. to god because by definition like we think of peculiar we just think, oh that means you're weird and you're strange peculiar means that you specifically belong to something like that you are attached to that, that you are identified with that you know and that's yeah. that's what i want to be i want to be identified with god i want i want other people to know that i belong to god um I I think the struggle for us sometimes is we don't really want to belong to God. Like you said, like we want to believe in God and we want, you know, some support from God sometimes, but we want to be able to do our own thing and be our own person. And yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, We are supposed to die to ourselves and follow him so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, these things that Paul tells us about, this is what it looks like that I don't even belong to myself anymore. I belong to him. And so whatever he asks and whatever he wants, and wherever he sends me, and you know, I'm supposed to go uh, because I'm his. And when people see that, yeah, they're going to think we're peculiar um, in more ways than one. That's a good thing, you know. Um, yes. Later on, Peter's going to talk about like, hey, be prepared to give people an answer for the hope that you have. Um, This is how they know to ask us something, you know, like giving an answer to someone implies there was a question asked. Why are people asking questions? Because we're peculiar because we belong to God. Right. And they go, right. what is with you? Why are you this way? Why are you doing this? Um, I, I cannot remember how many times we got asked, handing out sandwiches in downtown Albuquerque, why are you guys doing this? You know, and so I was like, because Jesus loves you, and he loves He loves us, and, and he loves you. And so we're here to remind you of that. We're here to share that with you. You know, it was that simple for us. Um, yeah. And so... That's that's who we're called to be. We're called to be his peculiar people and share that with people. So yeah.
1: And then he tells us as his chosen race, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, the people for his own possession, what we are to do. May proclaim the excellencies of him. We are simply to tell others the night and day difference he's made in our lives. And, And he tells us that so many times within scripture. Okay. of Acts 1.8, we're to be as witnesses, just telling what Jesus has done in my life. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we make disciples. How do we make disciples? We tell them who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's done in our life. And we need to be a walking billboard for that. Like you said, that that peculiar people. You know, in, in, in Deuteronomy, where it uses that word peculiar people in King James. Most translations say treasured possession. So we're his treasured possession to be the showcase of who he is through our lives. How do we do that? By words, but we have to back up those words with actions. If we're just, I mean, uh, Paul talks about, I think it's First Corinthians 4 20, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. People aren't going to listen to what we say unless they see it no It's as simple as that um you know i there were times when i realized i'm saying one thing to you and you're growing up but i was probably living another and and that doesn't work is what you're going to follow is what i do not what i say the world's going to look at us as christians and go you talk a good talk but where's the reality of it in your lives and that's what they've got to see when they see that then they'll listen to what we have to say you know so we how do we proclaim the gospel? How are we are witnesses? How do we make disciples with the way we live and then with the proclamation of the gospel? But they have to see it in our lives first.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's absolute imperative that they see those things in us. They, that's that's why he gives us all this identity. Hey, this is who you are. This is who you should be. This is reminding us of that. And here's why. It's Here's, here's what's going to come from that, you know. Um, he doesn't just give us an identity. He gives us a purpose here. And I mean, those go hand in hand. They're inseparable. Yes. They're like who I am. So this yeah. is what I do. This is how I live. This is what my life is about. That I'm gonna yeah. declare those purposes. And and it's a good reminder of what why does God choose us? Why did why are we his treasure? It's it's not because I'm so great and I'm so amazing, you know. Like, and it's not it's it's about him. Like his choosing us is not even about us, it's still about him. Like it comes back to Jesus and saying, Hey, I want to use you, I want you to be part of what I'm doing, I want you to proclaim who I am. And so, when he's choosing us, it's not—it's not like old school, like all right, who's going to pick last on the team? Like all right, you—you you know, that's based on our talent and our right. Opinion. Right. He's choosing based on right. our willingness right. to follow and obey and reflect who he is. You know that it, as, as Samuel, he tells Samuel when when Samuel's picking the king, you know, picking David between David and his brothers and all that. You know, I'm looking inside. You're looking at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. Right. Of the And so God sees heart and says, Hey, this is someone I can use. This is someone who will, who will declare my praises, who will reflect who I am to the world and share that. Um, And so that's, that's what he chooses us based on is what we're going to do for his kingdom. It's all about him. And when, when it's all about God, it's okay. When I make it all about me, it's because I'm making too much of myself. God's allowed to make it all about him because he deserves that he's he's, worth. It's supposed to be all about him. Yeah, um, it's not right. It's not just an ego trip. Um, nope, that's no. that's who he is. Um, that's his proper place yeah. in the order of things, and that's what we get messed up is we want to be in that place, and we mess up the order. So,
1: yeah. And then, lastly, he tells us who we are, what we're to do, but why? Because. It's about him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in one translation called the light amazing. Jesus says, "I'm the light of the world." But in Matthew five fourteen, he says, "You, meaning his disciples, us, are the light of the world." He's the sun; we're the moon. It is his light that we're supposed to reflect. So he is the light of the world. We are to be then lights of the world that show the world his light. And when you think about lights, you know, the older I get, the more light I need. <laughs> this is, I mean, like well, I, I used to could read in very dim light. Now that's not true. Man, when we go to bed t- at night, my wife and I, we've, got lights on so we can read, you know, because and in the mornings when I'm doing my devotion time and I'm reading particularly, you know, I try to read out of different translations and some of the translations are not old people friendly because (laughs) their font is so small. So I have to make sure that light is shining on there to see. I even have a light on the computer because if I don't have enough light on the computer, I cannot see the letters on the keys anymore, you know. So I understand this idea of illumination, you know, and it's not just illuminating what's in us, though I think he does that, but it's also illuminating what's around us. So we know what the obstacles are, what the, the dangers are, what the, where the attacks coming from so that we can avoid it, or we can move past that obstacle or we see that obstacle and we get prepared for it. But I am excited to be who he defines me as and to do those things because of what he's already done for me, living in a darkness, living in separation from God, and now being brought into that light. So now I'm experiencing illumination, the warmth of his light, uh, and, and I'm experiencing all of that again. Why? Because he chose me to be who I am in him. He did these things for me, so now I get to the- privilege of declaring him the world. I'm not winning a debate. I'm not winning an argument. I'm simply sharing, hey, here's what Jesus did for me. And if you want him to do that for you, he's willing. It's got to be your choice. Um, But that declaration of who he is to the world is, is to me the privilege that I get to be all of these things that he declares me to be.
0: Yeah, you know, Paul in Philippians talks us talks about us reflecting that light, you know, that that we shine like stars in the midst yeah. of the darkness, you know that and 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 we're really shining like yeah. moons. Like that's really even what the word means more is that this is reflective uh light, not 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 from ourselves, but he says we do that by holding out the word of life. That we're just declaring, it. "Hey, here it is. Here's the word of life. Here's what I believe. Here's who Jesus is." There is never there's never a time where God tells us to go out and do stuff that he Adds in anything about what the response will be. Like, he doesn't say you have to get these results. Like, he doesn't, that's not on us. Right. Our side is to tell it, no. share it. So, no. hold out the word of life. No. And people are going to do with it what they're going to do with it. And I can't make someone, you know, that's the Holy yeah. Spirit's job to convict and to do those things. We've made it right. our job in lots of circles that, oh, here's how you win <laughs> yes. the argument. And like, I've never been called to win. I don't find that verse. And Win arguments in the name of Jesus. I have not found that one yet. I've read I've, I've read the whole thing before, you know. I haven't found that one. I must have missed it. Um, you know, but this this idea we've been called out of this darkness and I I think verse 10 is so well, key here you, too. Like the you know, right out, you know, connect this. Once you were not yes. a people, but now you're the people of God. Like you have this identity oh. now. You're no longer stuck in the darkness, right. you're out here in the light. Uh, once you had right. not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Like that changes who we are. We we become different, and you, you you're no longer in the dark. You're in the light. So be the people of the light that God's made you to be.
1: Yeah, you know one of my one of my um, dangers in counseling, and i I don't like counseling. Uh, it's frustrating for the most part. But I mean, I've done it a lot over the. But one of the dangers, and I had to really watch this in counseling situation, is to try to control people. You know, you see what's wrong with their lives. You tell them. But then there is that desire in your life to go, okay, now I'm going to do this so you don't do this anymore. I think a lot of times that's our idea of witnessing and of, of reflecting God's light. Oh, I see what you're doing wrong. I'm going to stop you from doing it. You know, we might stop it by passing laws that we think are going to, you know, change people's hearts, which they don't, or we're going to, we're going to do something to keep them from doing that. We can't, and God doesn't do that. God presents who he is through us. But then, like you said, it's the Holy Spirit who brings the change. And I think a lot of times when I'm hearing my fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus talk lately, it's about, well, we've got to stop these people from, do, you know, these these in the last few days, we've seen a lot of demonstrations in this country against Israel because of the war and how they're conducting it. And I've had a lot of people go, they shouldn't do that. We've got to stop. No, we don't. Our job is not to stop bad behavior. It's not to stop sin or evil. Our job is to present Jesus. And when a person connects with Jesus, he's going to take care of all of that and straighten it out. I can't do that. It's not my calling. I, I I don't have the ability, and that's not what God's told me to do. I'm to live out and proclaim and share with people and show people what this life in Jesus is, and then let the Holy Spirit use that. But I can't control, and, and it would be wrong. I mean, it's wrong for us as believers to try to tell the world, here's how you have to live, when they can't live that way, and that's not what God called us to do.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I— I go right back to that, that verse I mentioned from Paul. You know, we're supposed to shine like stars in the midst of the darkness. It doesn't say you need to eradicate all the darkness around you and make sure that none of it's there. It's not going to happen. It's no. just not. No, I don't have the no. ability to do that. There, there will come a day where, no. yes, the darkness and the light will be separate from each other. We won't have to be in the midst of that anymore. That's when Jesus comes back, makes everything right, makes everything perfect. Um, That hasn't happened yet. Why hasn't that happened yet? Because he's waiting for more yeah. people to step out of darkness into light. He's being patient so that more people can join the family and become part well, of, yeah. of the body. Yeah. So that they can become part of this holy nation. Yeah, he's, he's not people. slow. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't God going, right. He's well, not oh, slow. I don't feel like doing that yet today. Um, patient. Yes. No, um, he's just patient. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's right. frustrating at times, so frustrating when I have to hear about Oh well this is so evil and this we have to do something i've I've been getting these emails and about the evils of boy scouts because now we have we have for like the last 10 years or so since boy scouts is a like secular organization guys i know it had some strong ties they were stronger back in the day they took some flack because they're not a church they don't have the same protections on some stuff and so there's this i think it's called trail life or something and i'm sure trail life is a perfectly good program i'm not knocking trail life in any way, shape, or form here. But I keep getting these emails from this guy who who really wants Pope Roswell. He's really, he's desperately worried about all these because you know, the, the, the Cub Scouts, they're in the Roswell schools even they're getting to advertise and do all this stuff. And he sends this picture of these Cub Scout leaders as if these guys are like the enemy and I know one of them. Like he's my he was my kid's elementary school principal. He is a good dude. He I know where he goes to church. Like I'm like you're 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 missing the point. You're making the wrong people the enemy when we act this way. Like we 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 turn. Mm-hmm. We think we're gonna like fight against these people, and you know. But we're told our battle's not against flesh and blood. In Ephesians, clearly, like our battle is not. It's against yeah. this other stuff, and that's yeah. It, it's this battle in the heavenly realms. It's a deeper battle than that, and we try and make it about just flesh and blood, and think that oh, if I stop these people, and if we silence these people, and if we win this fight or this argument or get this thing passed, then. We're going to win. And the victory, number one, was not up to me ever. And two, if you were with us last week, the victory is already won. It's finished. It's over. This is just mop up duty like this. We're just waiting for the actual, but it's over. Jesus has already declared the victory. He has already won. You know, I don't have to win the victory. I don't have to defeat all my, what I perceive as enemies sometimes that are out there in front of me in the darkness. No, I'm just supposed to be the light. I'm just supposed to be who God called me to be and reflect who he is and who he and, is.
1: And, and, you know, if, if we think, if we think there is something wrong with the scouts or with our schools or with any secular organization like that, there's a solution. We get involved. We become those lights that shine in that dark place and make a difference in their lives. Instead of sitting back and going, Oh, We've got to pull our kids out of public school, out of scouts, out of these other things because they're evil. When we have capacity as holy people, as having been brought into the light to then go into those situations and be the light. Now, is that going to change the whole organization? No, but it can change. You know, it's the story of the guy going in, and on the, on the lake, on the, on the seashore and there's these thousands of starfish out there, and he's taking one at a time, throwing them back into the ocean. And this guy comes up and going, do you think you're making any difference in this? Look at how many thousands there are. And he holds up a starfish, and he says, I'm making a difference in this one, and throws him into back into the ocean. I cannot reach the world. But through my personal relationships through what God gives me to do within the ministry of our church and what God gives me to to be the technology that we can use, like podcasts, like Facebook and YouTube and all of that, we can touch people's lives. Am I going to touch every person in the world? No, but I can touch a group of people or I can touch individuals that I can make a difference in their lives. And I think so many times we sit back and we look at this huge problem and we go, there's no way, what are we going to do? You know? And so our response then comes out of panic instead of faith and faith says, why walk into it and make a difference in, in that part of the thing that you can. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's first Peter think two nine. We've, Supposedly, We only talked about one yep. verse through all that, but I, I think you heard a few more along the way. Um, <laughs> And these guys, you know, I, I joked about Peter being such an eloquent writer. Nobody, you know, I got, remember, remember getting in trouble for run-on sentences when you were a kid, writing stuff, like you write something. Oh, yes. Go, oh, that was oh yes. Like, yes. There are Paul, more run-on sentences in the Bible. Paul would flunk. Okay.
1: Paul Paul would flunk <laughs> that. They would, they would have so many red marks on, on his letters <laughs> that he wouldn't know what to do. You're right. <laughs>
0: Uh, then somebody went and added weird numbers to everything. And sometimes the numbers don't make sense either. So then I get even more confused. Um, the, the worst is when a verse is split between two chapters. Like it's the last verse in the chapter and they leave like a little bit on oh, in the no. chapter or something. Like, wait, what is, what, what, why, why, why is this not at the period? There should only be numbers after my actual, oh, I have an explanation for that.
1: The monks who were doing it that day had been into the sacramental line a little bit earlier. <laughs> and they much. didn't, you know, it was kind sort of <laughs> unclear to them what was going on here.
0: Uh yeah. We have all these translations of the Bible. Everybody still uses the same numbers that they came up with at some point, though. You know, nobody nobody breaks this down differently into chapters and verses. Yeah. So it's always No,
1: no, no.
0: Oh, all right. Well, that was it. First Peter 2 2.9. Uh, we'll be back with you guys again next week with... Uh, Some kind of concept. Those are always the wild cards. So we'll see you then.
1: See you guys. Bye.